this conversation to really be about positivity within the, the industry because you know we're all involved in it and we're wanting to find good ways of working. How do you measure success now? And the beauty of the bespoke is to be able to work with the client to give them that sense of service and that absolute sense of exclusivity so that everything that they have is exclusive for them. So if it's a specific print for a piece, for an event, we can design all of that for them. Hi, this is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of the Business of Fashion, and welcome to the BOF podcast. This past week on BOF Live, I sat down with an old friend, the designer Giles Deacon. Now, when I first started exploring the fashion industry, Giles was one of the top fashion designers in London. Everyone flocked to his shows at London Fashion Week. A few years back, Giles decided he'd had enough of the fashion system. And with all of the conversation that's been ongoing about how the fashion system is broken, and with designers looking for a new way to operate, I thought it would be good to sit down with Giles to hear his perspectives on how he's shifted the way he operates in a completely private client business, a little bit like haute couture. Here's Giles Deacon, Inside Fashion. Delighted to have with me today a dear old friend, uh, Giles Deacon, and I'll tell you all a funny story. The first fashion video interview I ever did was with Giles Deacon. It was back in December, December 2008. We recorded and then we released it in January 2009. Yeah. And because we weren't doing live interviews back then, but technology now enables us to do a live interview, Giles. So I'm, I'm very happy to see Terrifying. It's great. <laughs> There's going to be people tuning in from all around the world. Fabulous. Um, and Giles, I, I, I invited you to do this conversation today because I've been thinking about you a lot over the last uh, few months as the lockdowns have kind of forced everyone to rethink uh -huh the fashion system to reevaluate their business models. Yeah. And, and some people are just deciding to kind of be done with it altogether. And it reminded me of conversations I've had with you over the last few years. Yeah. Because you're one of the people, the few people I'd say who actually went through this reckoning, you know, three or four years ago. Yeah, and decided, yeah. yeah, five um, years ago, I suppose. Yeah, to 2016 around that. Yeah, and so I wanted to start there today, Jaws, because as you know, the topic of today is to discuss what it's like to step outside yeah. the traditional yeah, fashion yeah. system. Yeah. Let's start with what things, what you were doing before. Right. So like, describe it to me. Like, what was your approach? You know, what was your business model? And then why well, did you ultimately decide this is not for me anymore. Yeah. Well, I think there's a you know there's a few things that that that, that culminated in the, in my decision um, back in 2016. Um, I'd um, worked for a number of people from graduating from college, um, got experience um, in Italy, in France, and uh, uh, and then set up my um, eponymous line in in 2003. Um, did the kind of regular run of showing in London. Did all of those great things. Did. Um, got the Andam um, Award, um, showed in Paris, 
um, got some Italian distribution, and and it was all kind of it was at that time when everything was really getting um, very kind of I how's what's a good way to describe it? The world was very not on a on a designer's side to a certain degree in the respect that everything was being measured to a very much to a historic time plate and template. And that was proving to be problematic, not only for myself, um, but for a lot of people, as we know, is very well documented in the, in the kind of work frame, time frame of collections, traveling, you know, flying constantly, not being in the same place for more than three days in three years and 25 collections and a million, you know, and all of those things. And, um, I'd always made um, um, one-off pieces and show pieces within the London studio and had built up a, um, a really good resource of makers and the, 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 for, the, for those show pieces and for, and for private clients. And uh, we got to the point where the, the, the termination was, was coming to the licensing agreement for the manufacturing initially. And I just didn't know if I wanted to commit to another five years with somebody. And the way in which the, the, the whole dynamic of fashion at that time and, and, and the system was one that I was really beginning to question. Um, it was not hugely enjoyable. It wasn't, you know, kind of rewarding in, in the most important of ways. And I just knew that from my art school background um, that I wanted to return to or find a different way of working and one that worked for my rhythm and it was one that was a, a you know some may call it brave some may call it stupid some may call it whatever the decision to make but I ultimately knew it was right and the right thing to do and I knew that I wanted to um, continue to be a designer um, I wanted to work with incredible people, make beautiful things, um, the values of craftsmanship and quality and all of those things that I hold very dearly to my design aesthetic. I knew I wanted to continue to explore and develop all of those. And to be also to do things like continue um, illustrating and say design costumes and work on films and you know all of those other things that, that I've always like to do and and it was to find the space and ways of means enabling me to have time to do that and the, the, the all the resources to enable that to happen in a nutshell so, yeah so that that helps me understand what you wanted to keep you know what yeah. you wanted to preserve yeah what did you want to get away from like what were the things that were really grating on you well, oh my golly, I mean, I don't want, you know, I want this conversation to really be about positivity within the, the industry because, you know, we're all involved in it and we're wanting to find good ways of working. You know, I'm not wanting to be here to be sat going, oh, this was wrong and that was wrong. Um, but the, but the, for me, the big issues were the, 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 the ways of the, the relationships of, um, of, of, collection the way the collections were being structured was was just totally unfeasible unless you had a, a, a really big team so if you're an, an independent designer with a you know a, a, a 
full-time staff of kind of seven or eight, even then it was a real stretch to, to do all of that. And there were bigger pressures being put on all of the time. Um, and you had buyers um, from, you know, from varying parts of the world. This is obviously within a ready-to-wear context. Um, wanting everybody to design the same kind of trouser, the same kind of dress at the same sort of price point. And it was just really boring. Um, and it just wasn't what I was looking to do. You know, there was just another, it just didn't feel right for, for me for the, for the future. You know, I, I, it just wasn't what, you know, I, I, it was turning into a, um, a, a kind of a design by numbers of garments by numbers. And I, in, 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 in sort of very simple terms, the kind of magic was being lost for me about what it was that, the, the, that essence of an idea, that essence of creativity, that essence of beauty, that essence of craftsmanship, that essence of joy, of all of those things that excited me right from an early teenager to wanting to get involved in the fashion world, um, were just kind of just sort of vanishing bit by bit and I wanted I knew they weren't it wasn't because I'd fallen out of you know of love with it with it all but it was just there was other ways of working and I'd seen um you know kind of people like uh, who I hugely admire like Jun Takashi at Undercover I think Jun's you know one of my favorite um like independent designers and I'd looked and seen at the way in which that he would work and it was really inspiring to me to, 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 to see how, you know, he, he, the, the, and there's elements in lots of different people's way of working that I just thought, you know, th th there's got to be a, um, a, a, another way. There has to be another way. Everybody was talking about how, you know, designers were dropping like flies. They were having breakdowns, of, you know, a million things. People were just not happy with it. And the system was, was, was as we know, it's very well documented what was going on and, and, and what was what was um you know what was difficult for people um you know there was it was at that period of time when um look you know everybody um thought that it was every business was able to become a you know a hundred million dollar business by putting the right infrastructure in and off you go and it was just i was like this is not going to happen it's it's totally unachievable you know there's nothing wrong in being a, um, a creatively interesting label that does lots of things or just something at that level or a different level and and it just it just all seemed to be uh, you know just all hurtling in a direction that wasn't right for me and um and the way in which that that just sort of designing more and more product for more product's sake and at that time i remember having conversations with people going who's going to buy all of this you know if if everybody's been been um pushed to design the same things um at the same price points to be in those same department stores where's this you know what's how is this special you know what's what's unique about this and uh, coinciding with this i was doing um um private sales with with clients and i'd be speaking to them and they would be saying we want this from you we want this because it's you know we want it because it's special we want it because it's you know and all of those things that i was not being able to put into a ready-to-wear collection they were asking me for so I knew there was an appetite for it. And it, it, I got to know the ways of which those worlds work over this period of time. And I say, and before that, because of the way in which that we used to make all the kind of show pieces and what have you for the shows in London. So, um, you know, it kind of all sort of came together like that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so interesting 
to hear you talk about this because some of the words that you're using, some of the reflections and perspectives that you have, I think a lot of people have ended up in the same place now, um, just many, many, many years later. So Giles, yeah. tell, us, tell us about what your business is like today. Like what is the, what is the new model that you have built around the priorities that you set for yourself back then? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, the, the most important thing for me is to be is, is to have um, a, a creative autonomy um, and an ability to be able to work within all of those environments that I, that I, that I really hold dear. So the, 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 I, I wanted to make um, a world where I could make beautiful, bespoke, um, couture pieces for people um, the world over. Um, so over this period of time uh, and, and lead up to that, we've developed a network of um, individuals and, and um, stores who we work with. So we work with people like Matches Fashion and, and Harrods and Netaporte with their private clients and, and, and my own contacts on the ground. And we work in a, in a manner that's um, very much um, occasion led. It's not seasonal. So you have, um, you learn all of the kind of nuances of how different um, regions of the world work within different time frames. For instance, the, the, the New York social calendar is very different to um, a Middle Eastern bridal calendar. Um, so, you know, you can, you can work out where and when um, people start looking for pieces at certain times of the year in advance of. Um, we do very small um, collections, which are which are mainly um, tasters, I suppose. And the way in which that the, that the clients like to shop nowadays, um, they, in, in offering a, a fully bespoke service, so everything is totally unique for them. Um, for, for initially, we, we thought we looked in and worked within a, in a world where certain regions could have certain colorways as exclusives, but we very soon realized that that was not working because the nature of clients is that they travel a lot and can be seen and, and what have you. And, um, and the, the, the further I went into it, the more um, the, 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 the appetite for uh, the, the, the full world of bespoke and the beauty of the bespoke is to be able to work with, with the client to give them that, that sense of service, um, that absolute sense of, of, of exclusivity so that everything that they have is exclusive for them. So if it's a specific print for a piece, for an event, we can design all of that for them. And it's a, it's a very rewarding way to work. Uh, and you know, you, and I've learned an awful lot about what the clients want, um, shapes they look for. Um, it, you know, and it's 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 a very um, it's it, the, the pace is constant in a different way. Um, it's uh, you you have deadlines uh, that uh, obviously you, you, one has to hit, but it's it's a di it's a very different sense of of. It's a much more enjoyable way to work for me. It, it works for my um, my interests. You know, we've always designed all of the fabrics in house, so all the laces, all of the prints, it, everything's always been done. We've never gone and kind of bought them off of, off the shelf, so to speak. So all jacquards, um, the, the, you know, everything, all those kind of elements are all they're all designed, um, you know, specifically for the client for that for that particular event, be it a, a bridal or a, 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 a any other occasion. And it's it, an interesting thing within it all was was kind of unbeknown to me at the time was that we were working in a really interesting way that our waste was 
next to zero. Um, I work with very um, um, local uh, makers, so silk weavers in Suffolk, for instance, who've been working there for 200 years or more, and they will make one meter or 15 meters, whatever it is that we need in that specific colorway. So what we were making was very responsible in a, in a, 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 a traceability um, aspect. And th that is an element that we're all very conscious of and is something that um, the clients have become increasingly um, conscious and vocal about. So the fact that, that everything can be accounted for at every level as to its impact being positive is a huge influence on them and how they spend. Um, so that, that's, that's, a, that's been a really great way to work. So we kind of always uh, say, if a little unbeknown to me, been working to that kind of rhythm, uh, which is very important. So you've been very responsible in that respect. And it's um, it, where, where one can do good like that, make beautiful things and work in a time frame and rhythm that, that isn't going to put you hopefully in a coffin early, is a, <laughs> a good thing as far as I can see. Yeah, so it sounds like it works a lot from a like um, a personal perspective, from a creative perspective, yeah. and also for the clients. But when, when you're when you're getting silk weavers in Suffolk yeah. to, to produce one meter of fabric, it must not be cheap to do that. So from a business standpoint, you know yeah. how do you you know how do you price things? Like how much do things how much do some of these items cost? And like, well, this is a very interesting um, point here. The, 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 the pricing I only ever discuss with clients um, okay. and the client directly. Um, there's various brands who we all know pride themselves on um, how much an entry price is, and they set the ceiling limit, and that what is or was a sign of of, of a club to join. Um, that 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 sense of client confidentiality has stood me um, in really good good stay all the way through this. And um, we did a very high profile wedding dress, for instance, um, um, a few years ago. And- Meghan Markle. <laughs> no, 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 not Meghan Markle, sorry. Pippa Middleton, excuse me, yeah. Indeed. Yeah. And, you know, various press outlets and God knows whoever else were trying, calling up the studio, trying every single way they could to try and get a price out of me for it. And, you know, we obviously didn't. And these, these things are all, all down to client confidentiality and um and the number of clients who've come to me since who respected the fact that they've never seen a single price of anything anywhere is incredible um you, you know and, and i think that sense of 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 way of working really really you know appeals to people you know that they respect you for that so, um, but to answer your question in a in a in a in a, in, in a, a term that helps, um, the, the the pricing is all, you know, is is I, I would say is, is 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 fair within a couture world. It's not the most expensive at all. You get a great um, and beautifully considered product that's entirely, you know, unique and all of those things that we've talked about. Um, and to, and it's not just the, for the high net worths and and you know super wealthy individuals of the world in that respect. Um, it can be somebody who's always dreamt of having a um, a couture bridal piece or a piece made to measure and saved up, and that's the the one time in their life they will have it. Um, it could be somebody who wants to um, have a wardrobe for the year. It, it it's really broad. So. Um, the clients um, are, are globally interesting like 
that. You know, we have um, a, a high court judge in, in Washington to uh, an astroturf, um, um, you know, kind of heiress to a, a, a lady who lives in, in, you know, in Northamptonshire. You know, it, it's, it's a very, it's, 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 it is diverse. So, so that's, that's an interesting perspective to, to kind of talk to you about as well, which is, you know, in the world of kind of ready to wear fashion, the way yeah. you find customers is usually through your retailers. I mean, how yeah. do you find these people now, the ones who are willing to spend, you know, substantial sums of money Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the, there's a, there's a lot goes by, um, you know, the kind of visual uh, awareness of seeing pieces. Um, red carpet, for instance, has always been a great way. Editorial. I mean, the interesting thing is, is that we still make one-off pieces to go with shoots. We've got a piece that's going to be in American Vogue that, um, 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 you know, Lady Amanda Harlick styled. Um, you know, so the, the pieces do get out there. It's just that you don't need them to be in there every month we did billy porter for the oscars um which was a huge coup and i love dressing billy he was a brilliant um my first oscar client and i and i was very very proud to, to be able to do that and um, and and that resonated hugely across um, the world so that you know you, I, I just need a few the right ones but the, the a few pops that really work throughout the year and and that very much works for me you know i i i have a an instagram presence of of of, 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 of that's there that works for people a lot of it is word of mouth um clients um um are very generous in, in in offering around and it can be um within the realms of future technologies and modern technologies a way of working um it, when the kind of whatsapp started um we could be doing a fitting and um somebody could get on to that their friends could all join um, in all different parts of the world, and they could have a look at the dress in the fitting, and then they could all see it, and then they could share it or whatever if they wanted to. And, and so you could get two or three people could come back over, I don't know, the next six months, for instance. So it, it can work very organically, and you get, you know, you get a, 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 a bit of a following as well. Mm -hmm. Giles, one thing that you don't do anymore yeah. is fashion shows. And I remember your shows. Yeah, and, they were fun. You know, they they were, were so fun. I mean, there was a time during London Fashion Week when your show was, you know, one of the most important, you know, moments of the week. And everyone from all over the world used to cram into that little space in the Rochelle School. Absolutely, yeah. To see your pieces. And it was, you know, many of the designers I've been speaking to over the past few months as we've been talking about the lockdowns yeah when they think about their creative process without the show is the kind of culmination of telling the story they wanted to tell yeah and creating that moment you know it, it's hard for some of them to imagine that process without the forcing mechanism of a show and you know yeah. i remember i remember yeah. jessica stam in that pac-man um, yeah 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 yeah, yeah. That's that Pac-Man thing that um, Stephen Jones made. And there was all of these amazing moments. I mean, do you miss the show part? 
Um, elements of it, I do. I mean, I, I, I still think, uh, I'm a big fan of fashion shows. Um, you know, I, I still think there's, I would absolutely do one again if it was right within the right context, but where it would be and within what capital, I would be really open and, and what sort of event it would be. But it, it's, it's um, there, you know, they're a fabulous way to, you know, to, to see things. And I think the thing with a private client is that, that they get their own private fashion show and you get that consultation and you get all of that work. And so that interest for me as a designer to, I've always liked the work. The work is always, you know, the most important for me in that respect. So, you know, to the, and the idea and the development and all of the construction and the technique and all of the craft that goes involved with it. So, you, you know, you get that kind of sense of reveal to a client when that piece comes off the machine and is, is, is finished. And it's, you know, it's, it's different, but it, it has that same sense. And it's, you know, and the, the, the fact, it's actually almost a little bit more fulfilling because it's not quite as, as, as it's not so much about the self in that respect. You're actually making something really beautiful. You're providing a great service, I hope, to make somebody feel special and, and fantastic on this, this, whatever the day occasion it is that they've, that they've you know, that, that, that you all work together towards. Mm. It's interesting that you, met, you talk about the show as a kind of focus on the self, because for a lot of designers, that moment when they come out at the end and they take the bow and they, you know, the adulation and then the review. Yeah, I, I always hated that. Yeah. So how do you, how do you measure success now for your business? Because, you know, one of these, one of the things that I think people talk about with the fashion system as it stood yeah. just before all of this happened, it was like, you know, constantly growing, moving faster. Stuff. Like, yeah. So how, how do you measure success both from a, creative standpoint and yeah. from a business standpoint? Well, I think the most important thing, and I think kind of the same thing in essence, is that, you know, it, it's got to be able to be workable for you to enable you to do it. Um, uh, but ultimately, the, the, that sense of, um, of enjoyment uh, has to be there, you know. And, and I, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer that, that you've, you, you know, you kind of, there's so many worlds of ways of doing things out there. And the fundamental thing that I was always found very troubling about uh, the, exactly the thing you were saying about this sort of exponential growth forever that, you know, it was just bullshit, you know, and it's, um, it, it does not make an interesting um, um, statement creatively, business-wise, or, you know, culturally, anything significant. And those are all things that really are important to me. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I, I like making beautiful things that hopefully are interesting and relevant and involve lots of, of, of really important people and elements and, you know, kind of practices to, to make them. So, and I think those are worth, worth working towards. Yeah, that, that makes and for, sense. You know. Yeah, and you mentioned responsibility earlier as well, which is, you know, the other problem with the, the kind of system as it, you know, as it stands is that, you know, people end up making a lot of stuff that just doesn't end yeah. up selling. So yeah. it ends up being wasted. And so with the system as the way you've constructed it, you're producing things exactly in the quantities needed to, to reach a specific client. <laughs> One of them. <laughs> exactly. Invariably. In yeah. Exactly. Um, so I'm sure it's not a hundred percent 
perfect though. It's not easy to work this no, way. No, like, no, not what, are, totally. what are the what are, what are the biggest challenges? Uh, I mean, the challenges are to get to keep that kind of sense of rhythm um, throughout a, a year. That's very important because you know the, the, we we can scale up, but but it's it's important to to be able to know within reason what's coming in in, in about a four six month period in advance then you can kind of work out wh which freelance people who needs to work on what and how it can all be organized from a logistical perspective those are the that's one of the kind of um, biggest pressures but but that but that also means that it, it, you know I, I do it means it enables me to do things like I can lecture at the Royal College of Art um, I can work on, as I say, work on um, um, ballet costumes that I'm working on at the moment for Serrano de Bergerac, the New York City Ballet next year. Uh, you know, all of these other projects which are very important to me creatively and ultimately all feed and, and, and enable the business to, to work um, because I will end up probably dressing some people who will be at the opening of something. And, you know, and it's, it's all productive like that, which um, I, 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 I like that way of working. And, I, and it just... It, you know, there's 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 ways. I ju I just think it's really important for people to really think, as as you say, over this period of time, as to what the the what they what they want for their own personal sense of rhythm, and not to necessarily feel pressured that they have to adhere to a uh, 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 quite frankly an older rhythm. Uh, you know that that works for some people, and if it works for you, absolutely brilliant. I'm not here to knock it and say it's, this is the only way. It's not the case, but I just think there was a long period of time where the pressure was put on designers and smaller businesses and larger ones as well, to a certain extent. That if they didn't conform to those ideals and those ways of working, then they were going to fail, and you wouldn't be relevant and you wouldn't be of interest. And that is not the case. Um, Good is good, and you know, and you kind of just the, the, the longevity. You know, I've been doing this since 1992. I graduated, you know, coming up to nearly 30 years now, and um, and I've seen many things come and go and change, and like we all have, and we'll see many more things come and change and go. But I think that that the, the the important thing is to really kind of to 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 have the confidence in that. And I think for people who are even starting out businesses now, you know, think about how you want to do it and how you. You, how it works and makes you happy. Do you want to, you know, kind of hand knit things and that get some of your friends to hand knit them and you do it like that and you, you know, I don't know. This, this, and it's not to say that you can't then scale it up into something else if you want to do that. The options are still there. If you do want to step into certain elements of other um, more, I don't know, kind of more formal ways of working, if you want to call it that. Um, or, you know, but it's just, there's, there's just, there's, there's ways of getting it to make it work for you. And I think that's very important for people's physical business, mental health, you know, all of those things, uh, you know, to, uh, to, to go forward, you know, and, and it, and it I, I hope it, it enables um, designers to kind of retain integrity, which ultimately is the thing that attracts customers to them. Yeah. So the past few months, for anyone running a, a kind of couture style business with yeah. you know, the personal relationship with the client, yeah. the fitting, you know, the, the intimacy that yeah. comes with creating bespoke garments, yeah. that yeah. must not have been easy 
either. I mean, how have you been running your business during the lockdown? Well, the interesting thing is, is that an awful lot of our work is actually done over um, kind of FaceTime and, 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 and kind of electronic communication um, from a consultation level, because you can't always be everywhere to, to do that. And it's a time frame when we are doing appointments, you know, so people are used to working around that. And new clients have appeared. Um, there was a, a client in um, California in specifics and a, a client in Japan. So I have been um, doing sketches and consultations and FedExing fabrics and still been doing some pattern work and some of my uh, lady who does my, some of my embroideries is it, been in London in isolation. So I've been dropping things off for her to work on, cycling around. So it's obviously got, it's got smaller, um, but it's, you know, things still move along and, and people are, are, you know, are looking towards um, when and how they can um, get things moving. You know, we can take measurements, we can, you know, we can get, I have uh, people in, in, um, in New York who can do measurements for me. So if there's clients there, that when social distancing allows for that to occur. So, you know, all of those things are work, you know, people work around them and, and, and there's, there's ways of doing it. And it's, but it's also been great time to, um, to I've been wanting to, to, um, to really archive all of the fabrics that we've worked on over the years and put those into a really good order. So um, I've had boxes and boxes and boxes of cuttings of all of the, the prints and jacquards and silks we've worked on. So I've been making books of those, which has been great, and, um, and doing lots of painting and drawing, and, and uh, you know, and then you know, doing what everybody else is doing around. You know, kind of, it's a time of change for sure. But it's a, it's, 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 it's you know, the, the world moves. You know, ultimately. Is there anything that you'll do differently now because of the lockdown and lessons you've learned or changes in the market that maybe um, I. I, I, I will probably do. Um, uh, well, I mean, so this is a. I will probably do. Um, I'll try and do trips to, to, to be very conscious of my traveling. I've, I mean, I have been within that as a bigger picture for quite some time, but I will try and do that so I go less, but possibly go for longer. Um, and and really just work it in a different manner in a slightly different time frame. The traveling aspect is something I'm I'm very conscious of, and also the kind of the the, the world of meetings would um, would these are very productive, you know, and I think people have got used to them. They will always be want that that want and need to have a certain sense of physicality, but you can get an awful lot done, and I think we've all realised now that you can do an awful lot via um you know kind of zoom and, and um, blue jeans or whatever the new um one is um but that you know the, the, there's those and i also think that that reevaluation of that sense of rhythm as well i think is really important to work out what's what's important for you from a, you know a social responsible way um you know are there ways that you can possibly uh, incorporate a more you know kind of more charitable ways of working into your business are there things that you can do within that um you know adding that other element of responsibility that broader outreach and um, where we can do good make beautiful things and and live and work you know um, you know it, it's it, i think there's definitely something as a sense of that that i want to work towards in the future quite that hasn't formed fully as to how that can but i would really like to try and do that well, Giles, thank you so much. It's thank always you. so nice to chat with you. And I think there's a lot that everyone can take away, not just in terms of the way you've structured 
and plan your business, but just being really honest with yourself about what makes you happy. Yeah. As opposed yeah. to, as opposed to trying to serve a system um, that may actually end up doing the opposite. So um, thank you for sharing your advice My and your story. Pleasure. I'll see you soon, I hope. I hope so. Yeah, yeah, I'm Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of The Business of Passion. That's the latest episode of BOF Live. We'll hope you'll tune in uh, for more episodes. We're doing multiple conversations every week with people just as smart and interesting and creative as Giles. So stay tuned. Bye, Giles. Bye-bye. Thank you, everybody. If you've enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, give us a rating, and you might be interested in joining the Business of Fashion's global membership community, BOF Professional. Our members receive exclusive deep dive analysis, regular email briefings, as well as unlimited access to our archive of over 10,000 articles, our new iPhone app, and all of the online courses and learning materials from BOF Education.